Welcome back to the Apostles Mailbox, where in today's episode we will be talking about the least favorite spiritual discipline of them all. That's right, we'll be talking about fasting. Okay, so I say it's the least favorite, but actually um, that might only be true in the American culture, I'm not sure, and it's probably not statistically verified anywhere. Uh, but uh, on the upside uh, in modernity there, you've probably heard recently uh, somebody that you know that has uh, talked about fasting, not for spiritual purposes, not for the purposes of prayer, uh, but actually for health reasons, as it turns out. Uh, denying your body food for an extended period of time can be phenomenally healthy. It's very good for you. Um, and so a lot of people these days uh, do fasting uh, for their health or even during certain periods of, of a day uh, called intermittent fasting where you eat every day but you just take a, a period of time each day where you don't eat at all. Um, but we're not here to talk about the health benefits of fasting. We're here to talk about the spiritual ones and to take a look in God's Word and to see where it shows up. Because as you're going to discover, uh, fasting is something that not only has been around for thousands of years, but it's something that Jesus expected his disciples to do. It's something that stretches back into the Old Testament. And uh, there are even there, we're even going to look at one re really unique situation where fasting had an incredibly powerful effect. So let's just jump right into it then, and uh, we're going to look at a scripture in Matthew 6. Uh, Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, When you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, I hope you caught that, right? I hope you caught the very end of that passage. You weren't tuned out by, by that for a minute, because there's something very significant to note here. Here's what Jesus says. Your Father who sees in secret, will reward you. There is, biblically stated, there is a promise that you will be rewarded for fasting if you do it in the appropriate way. And, and so just from the outset, I could say, if you want more rewards from your Father in heaven, uh, make yourself a discipline of fasting. Uh, but we'll just peek really bit quickly back there. What did Jesus say? In order to do that, he said, when you fast, don't look gloomy. Well, why would you look gloomy? Well, because fasting is uncomfortable. It's physically inconvenient and uncomfortable. Nobody, uh, I shouldn't say that. Uh, most people don't like fasting. They don't really enjoy it. It is, a, it is an exercise of self-denial that would cause one to feel a bit gloomy. And Jesus says, when you're doing it, you shouldn't look gloomy and show that you're having this terrible time and disfigure your face to be seen by others, right? Because if you do, you have received their reward. And so uh, Jesus is setting up this basic uh, trade-off. You, you will be rewarded either by your Father who sees in secret or by other people. And so if you want to be rewarded uh, by your Father, that means you can't cash in your reward, if you will, by looking all gloomy and spiritual in front of other people. Because when other people look at you and they regard you in a certain way as a response to your fasting, Jesus says you've just basically burned up your rewards 
for fasting. Now, this, of course, isn't uh, to say that that if anybody notices your fasting, then you've lost your reward. But I think the matter is really the matter of your heart, right? They disfigure their faces so that their fasting may be seen by others. In other words, the intent of someone who fasts in such a way so as to gain attention from others is a detrimental to that person, right? It, it abdicates, if you will, the reward from God. Uh, however, uh, if you, when you fast, the, the right way to do it is to anoint your head, right, and to wash your face. In other words, basic hygiene practices that the Jews would have been practiced to look, to look healthy and, and cheerful. And so he says, anoint your head and wash your face so that your fasting may not be seen by others. All right. So the goal when fasting is not to be noticed by others. It's to be noticed uh, by God. And God does see it in secret. So, uh, point number one to understand about fasting is if you do it, and if you do it to, for the Lord's attention, for the Father's attention, instead of for the attention of other people, you will indeed be rewarded by your Heavenly Father. I'm just going to state it plainly with uh, no other caveats because that's what Jesus promised. There's one other thing I want you to notice here, okay? Jesus doesn't say, if you decide to fast, he says, when you fast. And so the assumption is that the people who are listening to Jesus would indeed fast. The base going assumption uh, to Jesus uh, among his listeners is that they would indeed fast. Now, if I were to get up in front of any group of American Christians and say, okay, guys, by the way, when you're fasting, uh, make sure you, you, you don't look gloomy, they would all kind of look at me and go, what do you mean when you fast? We don't fast, right? And so there's a, a cultural value that's been lost, if you will, of fasting, a, a, a Christian value of fasting uh, that we have lost track of. But certainly in Jesus' day, uh, that was just the expectation. People fasted. They did. We're the outliers, okay? So, now the, the question came up then. The Pharisees in, in Mark chapter 2 asked Jesus, they said, well, wh why, are your, why are your followers, why are your disciples not fasting? And their assumption was something was broken. They said, if you're truly a spiritual leader, if you're truly developing like uh, really strong, spiritually oriented disciples, then one of the basic skills and, and, and practices that you ought to be instilling in them is this practice of fasting. And so they said, why don't your why don't your disciples fast? And here's what Jesus said. So Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests fast when the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. And so Jesus is pointing out, of course, that, that his disciples have him with them. And so there is there is joy there. There is celebration to be the, with the one that they, have, that they have been made for. And he said they're not going to fast, which is often a, a sign of, 
of mourning or of need uh, because the one that they need is right there with them, right? And they're not going to mourn his loss. But he does promise, of course, that the day will come when he's going to leave and then uh, they will fast. He said in that day, they're going to start fasting. So uh, there's a principle here that, that I've had to learn um, which which I assume is fairly common, and that, and that is to understand that in the Jewish culture, uh, and, and clearly in Jesus' example here, there are days for feasting, and there are days for fasting. And so on a feast day, the command was, in fact, to eat well. Uh, it was to celebrate. It was to rejoice in that which was good. And in, in the days for fasting, those were days of repentance and mourning, then the command was not to eat. And if you mix these two up, of course, you'll have problems. If you try to fast on a day that is intended to be feasting, you're going to have more problems. And, of course, if people are fasting and you're feasting around them, then you can cause <laughs> great trouble. So uh, one of the things that we need to learn about fasting is that fasting is not this like ideal perfect thing as if the best possible outcome for fasting would be that you could do it every single day for the rest of your life. Uh, as a matter of fact, your life would turn out to be quite short. Uh, the trick is to fast when God calls us to fast and to feast when we are being called to feast, okay? And, and I say when God calls you to fast, because it's one thing that one thing that people typically learn when they start to fast is that some days you'll just sort of wake up and it's almost as if God says, you're fasting today. Like if you're walking in step with the Spirit and if you're sensitive uh, to His promptings, then there will be days where you maybe didn't plan to fast, but you just wake up and it's as if God says, you need to be fasting, you need to be in prayer, you need to devote your attention uh, to me in prayer today. And in those days, of course, you will fast. All right? So, uh, I, want, I promised earlier that I was going to talk about the impact of this unique, uh, really, this really unique story in the Old Testament about fasting, um, because uh, I, I, it, it's important for us to understand that fasting is a mark of humbling ourselves. In fact, um, I, I listened to a Derek Prince sermon once, um, which you can find on YouTube, maybe I'll link to it below, uh, where he he basically equated humbling yourself with fasting. And he made the claim that the Jewish mentality, the Jewish mindset of humbling yourself always included this idea that you would be fasting. Now, I don't know how accurate that um, that assessment is. I'm not an ancient Jew. I didn't live in those days, and I haven't taken the time to do a bunch of research to, to see if that is indeed the case. And in fact, it would probably be somewhat speculation depending on who you talk to. Uh, but I didn't think that he stretched too far to get there. And in fact, we're going to find one place in Scripture where humbling and fasting are very clearly and explicitly connected together. And of course, if you, if you do put those two ideas in, in your head, you'll know that, for instance, James says, if you humble yourself before the Lord, he will lift you up. And so if humbling, if, if fasting is a way of humbling yourself before the Lord, then in some ways, fasting is a way of entering into that process by which the Lord lifts you up. And so when we're in need, or when we're in need of repentance or of change, or when we really need God to come and bring deliverance, then fasting, of course, is a way for us to humble ourselves and to call out to him. And that's exactly what happened in 1 Kings 
21. Now, uh, lest you get it in your head uh, that fasting is only for super spiritual people, check this one out. 1 Kings 21 says, There was none who sold himself to do what was evil in the sight of the Lord like Ahab, whom Jezebel his wife incited. He acted very abominably in going after idols as the Amorites had done, whom the Lord cast out before the people of Israel. Okay, so here's the guy we're talking about. His name is Ahab. You've heard him. The same Ahab that was married to Jezebel, the one who was abominably idol worshiping, the one of whom the author of First Kings says there was nobody like him. There was nobody who sold himself over to evil quite like this dude, right? This was the one who um, who had a guy falsely accused and executed so he could get a hold of his uh, vineyard. Um, so uh, <laughs> Ahab is scum of the earth, terrible, abominable, idol-worshipping guy, okay? Now, <laughs> Elijah has just approached Ahab and has uh, has rebuked him for this idolatry and has basically foretold his demise and here's, here's how Ahab responds. So, when Ahab heard those words, that is, the words of Elijah, he tore his clothes and put sackcloth on his flesh and fasted and lay in sackcloth and went about dejectedly. Now, I know I just told you that you should not uh, look miserable because Jesus said when you fast, don't look miserable here, right? <laughs> Um, and and that is true, but in Elijah's case, the sackcloth and the ashes and the going about dejectedly were an outward sign of repentance. So in some ways, this is this is Ahab's way of saying to all the nation of Israel, to everybody who sees him, I messed up, I did wrong, I screwed this up, look at me, I'm dirt. I did terribly. I am begging God to forgive me. Okay, so uh, the fasting in this case, being connected with this severe repentance, um, was was outwardly done in order to demonstrate to other people that that sort of inward repentance. And so, a New Testament sort of a connection to this might be where James tells us to confess our sins to one another and pray for each other that we might be healed. There is power sometimes in outward repentance, okay? So, Ahab uh, wears sackcloth, and he fasts, and he goes about dejectedly, and the word of the Lord comes to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Have you seen how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has humbled himself before me, I will not bring the disaster in his days, but in his son's days I will bring the disaster upon himself. So look at that. Because Elijah has humbled himself before God, God spares him this disaster. <laughs> now, remember, this is Elijah, or this is Ahab, the one who Elijah has rebuked, right? The one who, unlike anybody else, there was nobody else who sold himself over to evil like this. The one that has just been described as abominable. He fasts, and he humbles himself before the Lord, and the Lord notices. And then the Lord sends Elijah back, back to him to say, Look, because you humbled yourself before the Lord, he will relent 
from this. This disaster won't fall on your head, but it will fall on the on your house in your son's day. Now you say, poor son, right? Well, the son was also evil, and God knew that. Uh, but here is here is the most, I would say, the most remarkable testimony as to the power of fasting, which is fasting is this denial of self to put ourselves humbly before the Lord and to seek his ways, right? It is to give up self. It is to die to self in some regard and to seek the Lord's ways. And when, when Ahab does this, this evil, terrible, terrible person uh, does this, then the Lord responds. We see another instance of this uh, in Daniel uh, chapter 10. Um, this angel who has been sent to Daniel says to him, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. Again, I think in this case, what's going on is that humbling of himself would have been tied with fasting in the Jewish tradition, uh, assuming that is that those two words were always connected to each other. Okay, so I referred to this one earlier. We're going to look to James 4 now, and we're going to understand, right, that if you are willing to humble yourself before God, to put your own hunger, your own desires, your own craving, your own flesh, to put that aside and say, what is more important to me than feeling good physically right now is to seek the Lord and to seek his ways and to pray. If you will humble yourself in that way through fasting, God does respond. Here's what James says, therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he made to dwell in us, but he gives us more grace? Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched. <laughs> and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Okay, so uh, James says, look, when you were a friend of the world, when you were doing all the things that the world loves and chasing after all of those things, uh, you are an enemy of God. This is not to say that our physical bodies, that our physical existence is enmity with God, but to say all the things that the world loves and chases after. When we love and chase after those things, we become an enemy of God. And so he says then, humble yourself, be wretched, right? Fast. And so fasting is one way of doing this. Uh, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. And so a good discipline for us as Christians is to put ourselves beneath uh, the level of comfort and all of the world's cravings and desires and to seek the Lord and to watch then as he responds and he lifts us up. Now, I would caution you, of course, that to be a friend of the world is to be an enemy of God. And so if you think, well, if I just fast, then I can finally 
twist God's arm and force him to to buy me the new car that I want or to get me the raise that I want or so on and so forth. That's not what's at stake here, right? This is not an instrument for compelling God to do your will. It is an instrument of surrendering, surrendering your will to do God's will, to commit yourself to God's will. So, uh, is that clear? This is, this is a brief overview of fasting. The Pharisees uh, used to fast twice a week in their religious um, practices, and so I don't think that you necessarily have to get there, uh, but I will talk a little bit about the discipline. Okay, there are a few different types of fasts you can do. You can do an absolute fast where you don't eat any food and you don't drink any water. This is the most severe form of fasting. However, uh, your body cannot live more than like three days without water. And so if you do an absolute fast, then of course you would want to make sure you're well hydrated going into the fast and that you would limit it to one or two days and certainly no more than three days. This is much harder on your body if you have other health effects, um, you might consider not doing an absolute fast. I personally have done a fair bit of fasting. I have never done an absolute fast except out of neglect uh, for long periods of time when I'm fasting and just been too lazy to drink any water, right? But I've never intentionally done an absolute fast. Uh, more common is a water-only fast, or what is sometimes called a water fast. So if somebody says they have a, they're doing a water fast, they don't mean they're fasting from water. That means they're only drinking water on their fast. Um, for people who who need some sort of energy uh, during their day, if you're working physically uh, on a longer fast, it can be hard sometimes to keep your energy levels up. Uh, for for extreme physical exertion. Um, and so you might consider a juice-only fast where you drink only juices. Uh, those give your body uh, calories to burn quickly and easily. Um, you might consider a Daniel fast. Uh, this refers to the fact that in the beginning of the book of Daniel, right, um, Daniel asked to be fed not from the, the king's table with rich foods, but he just ate you know, basic plain vegetables. And so if you do raw fruits and vegetables, uh, that's sometimes called a Daniel fast. Um, that is one way, of course, of denying your body. And you think, oh, that sounds great, except uh, after a while uh, you crave something else. And then, of course, you can fast from anything. Uh, you can just abstain uh, from from whether it's chocolate or coffee or, um, or anything else. Uh, you by by denying yourself that is a that is an act of humbling yourself but what i would say is that you know if you're just trying to like game the system and be like oh well i couldn't do a, a real fast but i can you know i can fast from um maybe i can fast from peeps at uh easter and that would be a real self-denial like that costs you very little i think there's very little humbling of yourself there you might not find as good effects from that this is not to say that God delights in our suffering, but uh, to say that when we when we really get serious about prayer and we're like, I want nothing to get in the way of this, and I want God to know that I value him and I treasure him even more than my daily bread, um, 
then uh, I think there's power there, okay? So if you're going to do a fast, then uh, how long should you fast or, or when should you fast? I think if we talk about this as a spiritual discipline, uh, then it is good to do this as a regular habit. Uh, so you might do uh, one day a month. In fact, uh, if you, uh, I, I have a, a fasting team of people who pray for this ministry, and, and every day of the month somebody has chosen to fast and pray for that day. And so if you would like to join that fasting team, I do have the month covered, but I'm trying to double up uh, on days as possible. Um, as people are willing to join in that, or if you, uh, or in case somebody can't make their day for fasting. Um, and so if you would like to do that, please just shoot me an email at apostles.mailbox at gmail.com. I'd be glad to have you on the team. Uh, I typically encourage people to do, if you fast at least one day a month, you can take that day and you can pray for all the missionaries and and uh, pastors or people who you feel like are sort of on the front line of spiritual confrontation. Maybe you have somebody who's really struggling with uh, issues with some of their children or addiction, right? And so you take that day of fasting to really devote yourself to prayer and just cover all of those things. It's a great habit to be in. Um, as I mentioned, the Pharisees fasted two times a week. I think it's a pretty good habit uh, to pick one day a week and to fast. Um, and so you can, you know, you might do that um, it's a, it's a bit, perhaps, uh, intense to just jump into that. It's not undoable. It's not that it's not doable. But if you don't already have a habit of fasting, if you're brand new to this, then maybe don't get too ambitious and <laughs> shoot for one day a week. Uh, just uh, start for one day a month, maybe. Um, <clears throat> so the question then is, how long do you fast for, right? Um, typically... Uh, a good fast is is one day. And so you might say 24 hours, you might go sundown from one day to sundown the next day. You might say, you might pick a calendar day. <laughs> when I do this, sometimes I'm up at like 11.30, eating some food before I go to bed. Not necessary, of course, but psychologically uh, preparing myself for that fast. Um, I prefer to do more of a sundown to sundown type fast because it enables me uh, to wake up already in a in a fasted state um, and to spend that early morning quiet time in a fasted state uh, and um, and then to, to carry that on through lunch and then after supper uh, then I'll have uh, one extra meal's worth of time to pray uh, and and to fast through that meal, and then when evening starts to fall, then I can break that fast. So that's that tends to be a bit more of my routine uh, is to is to break that fast at supper time or after. Um, but I would encourage you once you've gotten into this habit, or maybe you've done fasting one day or so before, to try a three day fast. You now a three day fast is going to push you a little bit harder. Um, and actually, I would say a three day fast might be the hardest. A fast you can do per um, uh, in in terms of bang for your buck. Okay, so uh, when you start fasting, your body is used to to burning carbs, and uh, and 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 so um, you stop eating. Your body like digests everything in it. It burns all the carbs out of your system, and your body during those three days sorts of 
goes through detox for things you're addicted to. If you're if you've been drinking a lot of caffeine, you might get headaches. You're gonna come off your like your sugar fix addiction, and your body's gonna kick over into ketosis, where it's gonna start burning fat after about three days. Um, and so for those first three days, you have the most hunger, the most pain. After about three days, your body adjusts and it gets much easier to fast. I, would I wouldn't say it's easy, but days four, five, six, seven, you don't have the same hunger pangs and cravings exactly as you did during those first three days. Um, so uh, you might try a three-day fast to extend it. And then once you've, once you've mastered doing a three-day fast, then it's not that much of a stretch uh, to go a little bit farther than that and to maybe do uh, a seven-day fast. Um, you could go longer, 14 days, 21 days. Uh, there are even biblical examples of 40-day fast. Jesus, of course, when he started his ministry, he began that with a 40-day fast out in the desert. Um, those, uh, If you do a longer fast, if you stretch it to three weeks to 40 days, you'll, you'll discover uh, quite powerfully just how truly dependent we are upon food for our mood and for our strength and for our energy. Um, and those longer periods of fasting, boy, they really bring you to your knees and they they cause you to call out in the Lord and say, God, would you sustain me? I need you. I can't do this without you. And so I, I really value those longer fasts. If, if your life rhythms um, support that kind of thing, uh, it, it is a weakening, of course, Im influence on you. But if you can do it, those longer fasts will they will bring you to a point of desperation where you're just crying out to God uh, for strength and for sustenance. It is a real uh, place of humbling and dependence upon the Lord, and it can be powerful effect spiritually uh, to do that. But again, I would say um, somebody, uh, I think somebody in Africa last year maybe, uh, tried to do like a 40-day fast without food or water, and he died somewhere in the middle, uh, your body cannot survive that long without water. So if you're going to do an absolute fast uh, and not have water, don't certainly don't do it for more than three days. If you're going to do a, a fast longer than three days and you have other chronic health issues, it might not be a bad idea to talk to your doctor before starting that or somewhere in the middle uh, to have your your blood levels tested or whatever just to make sure you're doing all right. But most people uh, in America have enough fat stores uh, and enough nutrients in their body uh, to survive a longer fast without serious effects. Actually, what happens is when your body stores fat, it, all, it, it also stores up vitamins and, and nutrients in those fat cells. And so when you go for a longer period of fasting and your body starts burning that fat, you actually get uh, many of the vitamins and nutrients that you need because they've been stored up for a rainy day with your fat. Uh, so God has designed our bodies to run uh, quite well uh, without a constant influx of food. It's uncomfortable and painful for us uh, simply because we're so used to eating three days a meal plus snacks in America. And maybe, maybe that's why we're all so fat. So uh, one last note about fasting. Hopefully by now you have gotten this bug in your head like, I want that reward from the Lord. Hopefully you, you want... 
uh, to pursue him in that way. Hopefully you have this thought perhaps of something that God wants you to um, repent of or to, to press into, to seek after wholeheartedly in prayer. And, uh, and you'll join in a, in a rhythm of weekly or monthly fasting um, or try a longer fast. Hopefully you're there. Uh, but I will warn you that if you fast, um, sooner or later people might find out about it. Obviously your family's going to find out about it because uh, we, we eat with our families, right? Uh, friends that you have, co-workers that you have, they might notice it, if you're, especially if you're doing a longer fast. Um, because we tend to socialize over food. And people are going to ask you, like, you're going to seem like you're sort of rejecting people or sitting out, not joining in in their, uh, in their fellowship or in their celebration together if you're fasting. Uh, and so just know that if that happens, um, don't sweat it, right? And understand that people who have never fasted before, who have never sought the Lord in fasting and found the value that it can be, they don't understand it. And often what we don't understand um, we scorn or we persecute. Uh, in Psalm 69, the psalmist writes, Zeal for your house has consumed me, and the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. When I wept and humbled my soul with fasting, it became my reproach. When I made sackcloth my clothing, I became a byword to them. Mm -hmm.